episode 24 of Short Box Summary. I'm your host, George. It's another special episode. We got Aaliyah back in the studio. Hello! Do you like saying hello like that? Because I do. It doesn't really make sense without the internet part. I feel, I still think it sounds great. <laughs> Whew. Aaliyah, it's been a week. How are you doing? Not great. Why not great? I don't know. The Supreme Court's just like steamrolling the, the American citizens. Honestly, yes, that is true. I thought for sure you were going to complain about our dog who seems to be regressing in terms of controlling his bladder. Yes, it's like the five and a half month potty training regression. Oh, yeah. That's the, a thing. The terrible five and a half. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows about those. Uh, he's just like peeing less in uh, normal places and more in like bad places like on our bed. Yeah, more in annoying places. Not great. No, it's not what you want, really. Oh, uh, but on top of that, the Supreme Court is... Oh, yeah, setting us back like 60 years. It's fucking sick. Not to get political, but... No, like, I don't really... Like, if you listen to this many episodes in the podcast, uh, trans rights are human rights, uh, respect women, believe women... Like, if, if you're a shipper, don't listen to this podcast. Yeah. Just respect people is, like, the rule. Just, like, treat people like they're actual fucking human beings because they are. That's the rule. Can you tell that to some some justices I know? I wish I could. They've unfortunately stopped returning my calls. Bitches. Not as close as we used to be. <sighs> Anyways, let's talk about comic books because, like, we all need fucking distractions right now. Let's get distracted. So this week is kind of a Jessica Jones special week. I wanted to have, like, a big Jessica Jones episode, and we're going to have a big Jessica Jones episode. That is with our good friend Mary... She will be on the show soon, but she is traveling this week for fun reasons and for not fun reasons. So we're going to let her collect herself, do what she's got to do, and we will get her into the studio promptly. But Love you, Mayor. Love you, Mayor. In the interest of pushing this story forward for the Marvel Comics universe, we're going to jump into things. We're going to go back. We're going to talk about the Pulse a little bit. Now, you weren't on the Pulse episodes, but you support the show. So I know you listen to the episodes about the Pulse, and you know that the Pulse is a superhero-themed subprint of the Daily Bugle, the, the newspaper that, like, Peter Parker works at. Yes. And Jessica Jones is supposed to be, like, a liaison, basically, between the paper and the superhero community. And in the first story, they bring down the Green Goblin. They prove that Norman Osborn is the Green Goblin, despite all this buffoonery and, and tomfuckery that he was doing to the paper beforehand. Sued the paper, almost took the paper out from under J. Jonah Jameson because he's got great lawyers, but finally they were able to nail him. And then in the second story, uh, as a tie-in to the Secret War event that didn't quite kick off this podcast, but happened enough close enough to the beginning where it's, it's part of the beginning of the podcast, uh, was Jessica trying to find Luke, who had been injured and hospitalized and hidden by S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, and it was everyone just sort of covering up Nick Fury's mess, and that sort of caused Nick Fury to go off the board. And this story that we're going to talk about today, all about the birth of Jessica Jones' baby. Finally, she's been pregnant forever. Finally, she's given birth. So let's talk about it. First things first, this book came out September 14th, 2005. It is by Brian Michael Bendis, Matt Gatos, and colorist Matt Hollingsworth. And that was the original team that created Jessica Jones in her original series called Alias, a.k.a. Jessica Jones, for Alias Investigations. That was her, like, private detective agency i've seen the netflix show you've seen the netflix show is that the most experience you've had with jessica jones is the netflix show yes how fucking good was that show so i was like thinking as i was reading this i was like maybe i'll go back and start rewatching because 
I, it's been a couple of years, and I could, I, I remember good feelings watching that show. Yeah, I mean, not the first season, but yeah, definitely. Okay, but like. She wins. <laughs> she, comes, she comes back, she she puts David Tennant in his place. Yeah, I love David Tennant, though. Not enough to watch Doctor Who, but yeah, you love David no, Tennant. No, because Doctor Who's fucking weird. All right. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I'm a nerd, but I'm not like... What a loser. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah, yeah I mean, you kind of said that. Also, um, I just want to state for the record that I am not pregnant. I don't want people to think that you have me on for the pregnancy storyline for any... Well, season one is coming to an end soon, so you just ruined the cliffhanger for season one of Shortbox Summary, so thanks a lot. What? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You know how, like, at the end of a TV show, someone's like, oh, I'm pregnant, and then, like, in the next episode, like, oh, I've got my period, but you came back to watch the premiere, dumbass. Like, it, it was like that. That was the idea. Yeah, you're not a prop. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to put you up like that. Is my body a joke to you, George? No, it is not. I swear it's not. I just wanted to do something like they would do on an 80s sitcom or a 90s sitcom. I'm sorry. Okay, well, we'll come up with an alternate ending. I'm not pregnant. Okay. Okay. Man, speaking of pregnancies, you remember when we were watching Frasier? <clears throat> you remember when I was watching Frasier and you were there? <laughs> and, uh, like, uh, Daphne. fucking Daphne got pregnant? Yeah. And they sent her to fat camp? <laughs> like, that was, like, their excuse for getting rid of her? That's, like, the worst, worst way I've seen a TV show handle an actress's pregnancy in real life. My favorite is New Girl, that Jessica was just, like, uh, like sequestered because she was a part of a jury for some big trial. She, like, went back to Chicago, I think. In the show? Yeah. No, she, well, she, no, she was sequestered at a hotel. She was In like, L.A.? Yeah, she was okay. on jury duty. And, like, it got to the point where, like, uh, I think that was when Cece, like, fucked up her wedding dress. Or, like, no, she got really drunk with Winston and bought the ugliest, worst wedding dress. Oh, God. And then, like, took it to the hotel that Jess was at and, like, showed her the dress and then Jess just held up a sign. Like, I don't even think it was Jess, but just held up a sign. Like, I can fix it! <laughs> like that. And that was, like, the only time she was on the show for, like, a, like a month and a half as she was uh, in, enjoying the birth of her real-life baby. Are you still sad that she and Ben Gibbard broke up? I have no feelings. I just, I don't know. I think it's really sweet. Like, I assume a lot of the Death Cab songs were written about Zoe. Zoe Deschanel's dating... Jonathan well, now, Scott. Yeah, but she was married to Ben Gibbard. Uh, they were married? They were married. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I assume when he was talking about cute girls in Silver Lake, I mean, <sighs> Zoe Duchanel is, like, prime example of a cute girl in Silver Lake, right? I guess. I don't know much about cute girls or Silver Lake. I used, so. I used to live, like, on the border of Thai Town in Silver Lake. Yeah, I was there, like, once. Yeah, good dumplings, though. Great dumplings. Great dumplings. Let's talk about the Pulse. Jessica Jones meets with Sue Storm, a.k.a. the Invisible Woman, in the Baxter Building. That's like the headquarters for the Fantastic Four. And this is someone she doesn't normally spend time with after a super fucking uncomfortable moment <laughs> uh, brought to you by The Thing asking if he's the father. I fucking hate that line. I hate that line so much. That's something that Johnny would say. The... Is it mine? <laughs> and he's, he's got like real shit-eating grin face. Like, like, when he says it, I, I fucking hate that. That was, like, that's the worst line Brian Michael Bendis has ever written. Not because it was a bad line, just the wrong fucking person said it. That's, like, what, like, the creepy guy at the bar, like, the regular who's always there and always drunk. Yeah, and, also like, and also, like, 40 years older than yeah. the person he's talking to. Yeah. You're like, well, we've never actually had physical contact, so I fucking hope yeah, it's God, not yours. I hope not. What do you do to the toilet seat before I sit on it? I hate you. I hate everything <laughs> about you. 
Uh, the two then go out to lunch with Carol Danvers, a.k.a. Miss Marvel, eventually Captain Marvel. Like, that's Brie Larson's character in the MCU, but this is back when she was still sort of struggling with her confidence issues, and she was still firmly Miss Marvel. They meet together because Jess is low-key freaking out about being a mom and is hoping for some sage wisdom from Sue, which she gets because Sue is amazing. She's great. She's one of my favorite characters. I love Sue. Meanwhile, at the Pulse, the superhero culture offshoot of the Daily Bugle, our boy Ben Yurick gets a tip about a jewelry store robbery thwarted by Daredevil. But something seems off. He gets more details about him wearing his old costume, the one with yellow and maroon, asking for water and smelling bad. Back at the office, thanks to some sleuthing by an intern and the know-how of co-worker Cat Farrell, Ben figures out the hero who stopped the robbery was in fact not Daredevil, but someone named D-Man, who is totally a real hero, wasn't created for this story. Uh, he's in fact a former Avenger, and I'm sure someone's favorite character, but... Uh, not mine. Probably not yours, definitely not mine. Ben gets a follow-up call from the jeweler, and it turns out some goods were stolen, and fingers are pointing to D-Man. Carol and Jessica are now at the boutique fashion store of retired Avenger Janet Van Dyne, a.k.a. the Wasp, Evangeline Lilly from the MCU. Okay, okay, okay. And Luke Cage is being shown possible new costumes uh, when Jessica's water breaks. Sploosh. I think splick is the... That's so much grosser than sploosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, that's so gross. Men don't know anything about women's bodies. Thank you. Sorry, I coughed the first time you said that. So That's fine. I just really wanted it to be clear. Just, like, read a fucking book. Read a fucking book. Like, that doesn't have this many pictures. Yeah, you want to read a book that has diagrams, not pictures, right? Yeah. Cross-sections? That's, like, that's like a lot. That's too intense? Okay. Uh, just, like, general anatomy would be good. Yeah. Uh, the Pulse number 12 comes out November 9th, 2005, again, by Brian Michael Bendis, Matt Gatos, and colorist Matt Hollingsworth. Sorry. I have a question. Yeah, hit me. Is this cover page that I have in the trade paperback, is that what this is called? That is called that, yeah. The cover that was on, like, the single issue? Yeah. Okay. I fucking love it. You love it? Just this cover. Just that cover. Okay, yeah, that I is... don't love the art in general, but uh, this cover of Luke Cage. The, the cover artist is this guy na- named Mike Mayhew, and in an interview... Brian Michael Bandis, wow, Brian Michael Bandis, gave at the end of the series, he actually said that Mike Mayhew is responsible for three of his favorite comic covers of all time, and they all came from this series. Uh, super interesting, photorealistic. You don't like the Michael Gatos art in the individual issues. That's this, yeah. right? No, I do not. Do you know why, or is it just something you can't explain? Um, It's kind of dark. Okay. Like, not creepy, horrific dark, but like... visibly dark lacking light gotcha (laughs) um and just like not super detailed in a way that i wanted to be detailed Mm -hmm. i like the dark spots i I like that it's a little rougher like it almost looks like it was just sort of photographed and then run through like a photoshop filter but then added exaggerated shadows which i like it just it feels incomplete to me yeah here you go uh which is like a choice and i support that I support people having choices. Sure, yeah. Um, I just, I don't personally... Vibe. Vibe with it, yes. All good, all good. Due to the immense pain, Carol is flying Jess to the hospital and leaves Luke and Janet behind. Once there, Jess reveals that she's only six months pregnant and she is freaking out. 
Janet and Luke try to hail a cab, but traffic is brutal, so they call Jarvis and try to organize an Avengers pickup. At the Bugle, Ben is trying to convince Jameson to run the D-Man story. Jameson is completely uninterested until he learns that D-Man is both a former Avenger and now a suspected jewel thief and wants to stick it to the Avengers one more time after screwing them on their announcement in New Avengers issue 15. Please see episode 19 of this podcast for more on that story. I believe that was not your debut, but that was... One of my earlier episodes. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) You wore your hair differently back then. I hadn't figured out the character yet, you know. Sorry, again, I'm trying to make it like a 90s sitcom. I wish you could hear me rolling my eyes at George. I can feel it. Jessica is in excruciating pain at the hospital, and everyone is asking her 10,000 questions about her powers and being pretty racist towards her for being a mutant, which she actually isn't. She got her powers from an accident. They kick Carol out because her powers, her ability to absorb and disperse energy and radiation are affecting their instruments and other patients, so now Jess is all alone. Luke is basically running to the hospital and stops a drug bus on his way because that's sort of his thing. I was very confused as to, like, why, I mean, I get that's what that's his thing, but, like, I don't know, the birth of your first and only child might... Especially because it seemed like it was a recreational drug use, like the guy just, like, wanted to party. You yeah. Know? You know? Yeah, and it's like, God, you're, like, you're not even with your lady she seemed to be like in distress maybe maybe i don't know like skip this one yeah sit this one out yeah let daredevil take care of those seriously ben goes to the nypd for a background check on d-man and learns that he's homeless and has previously been arrested for vagrancy the cop is giving him shit for writing a story on such an unimportant character and ben reminds him that every story is important Back at the hospital, Jessica finally has a doctor on her side fighting for her, but the hospital administrator doesn't give a fuck and kicks her out of the hospital altogether because she's a superhero and there's so many unknown variables she considers her a liability. This is perfect timing, though, because the new Avengers show up and take her to Doctor Strange, the sorcerer and apparently Surgeon Supreme. Ben goes back to the jeweler and finds out that D-Man emerges from the sewers and goes in to look for him. Doctor Strange tells Jessica to be ready the baby is coming i just want to make a note usually i like when stories kind of jump around in between storylines and there's like a lot going on Mm -hmm. this one i don't know if it's because she was having the baby it felt very chaotic to me and like kind of hard to follow whereas i feel like issues that we've discussed in the past where they've done like you loved it in new avengers yeah and I, i feel like it was maybe more structured Mm-hmm. Also, I feel like the panels are sometimes, I had, as a novice comic book reader, mm-hmm. uh, some difficulty figuring out where I was supposed to read next. Yeah. Because it wasn't, like, like very structured, you know, left to right. Mm-hmm. Some of the pages were, I don't know, just kind of all over the place, and I was very confused. But also, I think that kind of conveys the chaos of the moment that it is meant to. Right. So it's like, huh, is this bad or is this intentional? Is this bad or do I just not like it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, that that too. Yeah. <laughs> um so like I don't know, that's a personal issue I have with it, I guess. Are you have an issues with issues? I like wordplay. I think it's cute. The Pulse number 13 came out January 25th, 2006. Again, by Brian Michael Bendis, Matt Gatos, and colorist Matt Hollingsworth. 
Uh, let's start here. Doctor Strange is simply amazed at how much Jessica Jones can curse. <laughs> Outside the press gather, including Cat Farrell, who informs Wong, Doctor Strange's faithful assistant, that Jess has an exclusive deal as part of her employment with the Daily Bugle and uses that to try and get access. In the sewers, Ben finds D-Man, who's a huge fan of Ben because of the press he gives heroes like Daredevil and how he takes down villains. Through conversation, though, it's pretty clear that D-Man is not playing with a full deck. He touches Ben to make sure he's real because, quote, sometimes it's hard to tell. My heart broke. This subplot is, like, honestly why I wanted to, like, cover this. Like, I, I love Jessica Jones. I'm really happy for her and Luke having their child and their eventual marriage. Spoilers. But uh, I just think this story is fucking incredible. I was, I just, once I, like, put it together, what was actually happening with D-Man, mm -hmm. I just, like, melted. I No, it's super depressing. I think this is probably, like, the way they talk about, like, like how many homeless veterans there are, right? Like yes, I, okay, yeah, that's so, a great way. And to... so this was like 2006. I I think the U.S. declared war on Iraq in 2004, 2003. So like people coming back from their first tour, people being like dismissed from the military, discharged, whatever. Like this was like I, I think we were seeing like a whole brand new generation of soldiers struggling to get support they need when they come home and dealing with PTSD and. Just dealing with all these complications and burdens that, like, we just never thought about when when war was first declared, you know? Mm hmm And it's just really sad to see this person who, like, worked so hard to be a hero just be so utterly dismissed from, like, every aspect of life, you know, and just lose it mentally. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to cut that out. I think everyone likes hearing a motorcycle go over him, but I think it's fine. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, that's why I was being quiet. No, I, I, no I appreciate it. You're, you're getting good. You're getting good. I'm still a novice podcaster, but... It's okay. You're, you're getting better. Learning some things. Oh, you're great. Don't worry about it. Jess gets Jameson on the phone and tells him that since he smeared the name of her child's father, he can take his Nazi newspaper and his Nazi mustache and shove them both up his Nazi ass. Great stuff from Jess. How much do you love to hate Jameson? I don't have a lot of personal feelings about Jameson. Okay. But I am kind of excited to maybe one day be pregnant and give birth and, like, kind of have free reign to say whatever the fuck I want. And just tell your boss to go fuck himself. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was, I think this is, like, around the time Rush Limbaugh started, like, taking off. And so, like, he used to just be sort of, like, you know, like, a, a dedicated, like, William Randolph Hearst, right? Like, William Randolph Hearst, like, ran newspapers and, like, basically caused the Spanish-American War to happen, right? Just by, like, manipulating headlines. Cool, cool, and I cool, cool. Yeah, no, it's great how much power we give media corporations. And so it's basically, like, I think he was a stand-in for him. And then, like, as the century was sort of unfolding, I think he became sort of Rush Limbaugh-y. And that's why, like, in the new movies, he's, like, totally, like... Was it David Jones? Who's... You're asking the wrong person. Who's that guy who was sued by, like, the... The Sandy Hook Alex parents? Jones. Alex Jones, thank you. That's why he's just, like, basically fucking podcasting all the time now. Like, in the games and in the movies, like, that's, like, his new platform of choice because it just, like, really resembles Alex Jones and... So fucking ridiculous. And Joe Rogan and Rush Limbaugh. The scum of the earth. Yeah, not great people. 
Jess is freaking out because of uh, a time Carol was pregnant, actually, when she was used as a vessel to birth an interdimensional <laughs> prince who was trying to manifest himself in our rea- reality. And she's losing her goddamn mind because she's afraid that's happening to her. Like, not co- not quite a hypochondriac, but also, like, it's, it's fucking comics. So, like, everything is possible. Everything's, like, literally on the table. Also, just, like, the amount of shit that she's been through, like... Oh, my. How did she get out of bed in the morning? Like, she actually... She had, like, a little story where she was dealing with, like, alcoholism, which, like, kind of makes sense. It's, like, incredible that's all she was dealing with. Yeah, right? It's kind of impressive. Like, I feel like we've all had a couple binge weekends dealing with our own personal issues, right? Yeah, we'll call it a weekend. Yeah. And, uh, like, I was never used to give birth to an interdimensional evil prince. Yeah, that... Like, her just telling that story, not super casually, but, like, more casually than I would. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. (laughs) I was just like, what the fuck? You're a lot more normal than you should be. Yeah. Back in the sewers, Ben is amazed and depressed at seeing how D-Man lives, and he brings up the missing jewelry. Turns out D-Man is so far gone, he thought he was assembling the Infinity Stones for some mission only he understands. Jessica and Luke's daughter is finally born, and the Daily Globe gets the exclusive story. Instead, the Bugle ran a story asking how much Spider-Man was involved in the Daredevil conspiracy, because Jonah's a fucking hack, and that's all he can do. This is happening simultaneously with a a story called the Murdoch Papers, which is, uh, like, Daredevil's secret identity is Matt Murdoch gets sort of outed to the press, and his entire life is collapsing, and I think he's actually about to go to jail in the story. Yeah, they kept making references to, like, the FBI. Yeah. Uh, That story is actually really... I think you'd really like that story, because it is just, like, random crime bullshit and just like it's super breezy and reads really quick and it's just fun i love crimes you love crimes i know you love the wire i do love the wire yeah you do ben gets daredevil down in the sewers to offer d-man the help he needs and luke asks jessica to marry him oh my god say yes to the jess that's good yeah thank you how long was that one in the chamber? Uh, about 0. 0.4 seconds before I said it. I'm impressed. <laughs> Off the dome, baby. Check out the script. It's not, it doesn't say that there. Can confirm it does not say that. It does not say that. I really think this scene is is like really sweet, but also kind of funny. I don't know how to edit that out, so I'm not going to. Sorry, guys. I'm popular. I get text messages. Uh... Like, with Daredevil going down and, like, all the heroes are just kind of, like, in a room celebrating, like, the birth of, of Jessica and Luke's daughter. But, like, Daredevil's, like, down there talking to someone who, like, clearly needs help and is, like, a forgotten member of the family. How much do you remember about that movie Almost Famous? Mm, little to nothing. Okay. There's, like, one scene where, like, everyone is in love with this girl named Penny Lane. And, like, the entire band is, like, out celebrating with, like, Elton John. They, they found out they're getting the cover of Rolling Stone. They just had, like, a big show and, like, they're out doing all this shit. And then uh, the main character is, like, with Penny Lane, who's, like, OD'd on Quaaludes and is, like, saving her life kind of deal. And it's just like, oh, yeah, while you guys were out passing fucking cigars in the waiting room, like, I was down here, like, doing actual hero shit. Like, where where the fuck were you? Yikes. Yeah. Man, we are cruising through this. I mean, to be fair, they didn't know. No, they didn't know. They did not know. And also, like, Ben clearly has a relationship with Daredevil and not the same relationship with others. Anyone else? I mean, he's, he's close to Spider-Man. 
uh, had a lot of intense conversations with Spider-Man. Actually, in this series, back in the first arc, with a uh, with Mark Bagley on art, it was good shit. Whew. All right, that brings us to the final issue of the Pulse. This is issue fourteen. Came out March eighth, two thousand six. Again, by Brian Michael Bendis, Matt Gatos, and colorist Matt Hollingsworth. Jessica is talking to their still unnamed child and tells her everything that's happened the past week, including Luke sharing why he's ready to marry Jessica. And uh, I think this is actually probably a really instructive scene as to why Brian Michael Bendis was so popular at Marvel. So I'm actually just going to read quotes directly off this page. Uh, Like, since when have you wanted to marry me, basically, is like what Jessica says. Since now. Listen, okay, just listen. I'm in love with you. And I fell in love with you when you were a mess. Remember what a mess you were? And I loved you then. I fell in love with you when you weren't half the woman you've become over the last couple of years. So imagine how in love with you I am today. You got me? And I'm not going anywhere. This is it. This is the life I want and the life I got. In fact, it's the life I never thought I'd get. An Avenger, someone's father, and in love with you. So that said, do we have to get married? Hell no. Won't change a thing. It's just a piece of paper. But listen to this. We're two, quote, superhero parents, and this is a biracial relationship. Don't mean to shock you with that last bit, but it's true. (laughs) For some people out there, this is about a million different reasons to hate us all wrapped up in one convenient package. And now we have the Avengers spotlight right up our ass. And you know I don't care what people think of me, but I do know that now we represent something larger than who we are. How do I know? Because Captain America's been beating it into my head for weeks. And he's right. He's Captain America. Of course he's right. Why the hell does this girl, this perfect little baby girl, have to contend with being an illegitimate on top of all the other crap that's going to come her way because of her biracial superhero parents? Why set her up for more? And why I gotta be the cliche of being someone's baby daddy when it ain't the case? It ain't me. I ain't that cliche. You ain't some girl I knocked up and take care of on the side. You're my life. So I think if we have to represent, let's represent who we are. Listen, you don't want to, it's fine. I won't turn it into a thing. But if you are in love with me, too, and you said you were, yeah, I think we should get married. Show this girl the world. Good stuff from Luke there. Good stuff from Brown Michael Bendis. But, like, that sort of, like, super bouncy, extremely conversational type of writing, that was sort of what made Brian Michael Bendis famous on, uh, he sort of self-published his own books for, through, like, an imprint called Jinx World. I think they were published through Image. But uh, dude sort of made a, a business just writing about dialogue. Like that was, or not writing about dialogue, sorry, but just like writing really engaging dialogue, sort of becoming the Tarantino of comics. In fact, he worked at a comic book store the way Tarantino worked at a movie rental place before Tarantino became like a screenwriter and director. So pretty similar trajectories. Uh, did that do anything for you? You know, emotionally. Yes, but I feel like it did more for you. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. You're also the more emotional one in this relationship. That is absolutely true. Then she shares how they met a few years ago when she tried being a hero one last time, this time as someone called the Nitrous, a darker persona to reflect the darker period in her life. Uh, She spots a dumb local wannabe kingpin villain named the Owl, who's, again, like an existing character. Really, really important to the Brian Michael Bendis, Alex Maleev Daredevil story that's happening simultaneously. And she does a pretty good job of kicking his ass, but she is quickly outnumbered until Luke Cage and Danny Rand show up, the heroes for hire, 
they shut everything down and the cops show up uh but there are two kids there on the scene uh with their parent like, who i think was the owl uh, that part was still a little unclear to me who their actual parents were uh arrested they'll be spending the night in the police station while they wait for child protective services to pick them up in the morning Jess asks if she could watch the kids, but since she's a mass vigilante, they won't release them to her. So she says, fuck it, and reveals her identity and says that she has, like, old S.H.I.E.L.D. credentials uh, to get the kids for the night. Luke swings by Jess's place later that night, amazed by what she did, saying, that, like, I'm going to remember you forever because of seeing that. Uh, she, she shares that she did it because when she was a kid, she lost her entire family in an accident and had to wait for CPS herself and wanted to give the kids one last night of normal. So they had dinner and watched Toy Story. She falls asleep in his arms on the couch, and the next morning he makes everyone breakfast. Back in the present, Jess tells her daughter, yeah, I think I'm going to marry your dad. Yeah, see, that story with her and the kids, mm-hmm. that hit me way more than... Than Luke Cage. Yeah. I mean, that hit me too. Like, I don't want to say that. I, I just think, like, we just never see, like, such an emotional turn from superheroes, right? Like, especially the stuff you've yeah. been reading. Like, you've been reading, like, depressing shit, but we don't really see how it affects people. I guess that's fair. And so just, like, having someone, like, actually articulate what they're going through, their thought process, and what someone else means to them, as opposed to, like, what this event did to them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, if that checks out. And, like, very self-aware, I feel like, which isn't always the case. Yeah. With superheroes. Yeah, that's a good point. <sighs> the final issue we're going to talk about today is the New Avengers Annual. This came out April 26, 2006, and this is by Brian Michael Bendis and Olivia uh, Capel. This is the team that brought us uh, House of M. And so I had to jump around sort of to put uh, stories together for the podcast. Nothing I'm talking about is spoilers. Uh, we still need to cover House of M. And so this story takes place after, but uh, nothing happens in House of M that affects the story. And okay. it, it ties really nicely to... What just happened? Yeah. So I think it's a good coda for the uh, the Jessica Jones portion of uh, of this era of Marvel. Uh, but first things first, would you like to hear the Billboard Top 100 from April 29th, 2006? Yes, that's right after my 15th birthday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's hear it. All right. Song number one, Bad Day by Daniel Powder. Cause you had a bad day. Like, I heard that song. I had no idea that song was number one. Yeah, I feel like that's, like, the... That's, like, a Jason Mraz, like, Kmart Jason Mraz. Yeah. Also a song you probably heard in a lot of Kmarts. I love Jason Mraz. I thought you were going to say you love Kmart. Uh, yeah, you do love Mr. AZ, don't you? I, I taught you that. Yeah, but I said it first on the podcast. Song number two, Temperature by Sean Paul. I won't attempt to sing that because I only know one word to that song and it's temperature. It's temperature, there you go. Song number three was What You Know by T.I. Rest in peace, T.I. Wait, T.I. died? Uh, just to me. Oh, yeah, he did some, like, weird shit, right? Uh, yeah, it sucks because King was, like, one of my favorite albums. Like, that, that shit was, like, borderline perfect. And fuck, it's really, really hard to be a T.I. fan now, so I'm just not going to do it. Sorry. Yeah. Next up, we got Control Myself by LL Cool J and J-Lo. I don't think I know that one, but I love LL Cool J. You're one of the ladies that love... I am a lady. Who loves Cool J. Who loves Cool J. Next up, Unwritten by Natasha Bedingfield. 
rest is still unwritten. Next up was What Hurts the Most by Rascal Flats. And, like, I am amazed, like, that this song isn't from earlier. Like, it's weird to me to think of a time before this song, if that makes sense. No, this, this checks out. This was, like, high school. Yeah, but I didn't listen to country. And so, like, in yeah, hindsight, I'm like, wait, hasn't hasn't that song just always existed? <laughs> that song has been around forever. Yeah, it's it's like it's like math, you know? Like, it's something you discover. It's not something you create. No. Okay. Uh, next up, You're Beautiful by James Blunt. Do you want to sing that song? No, that's okay. I don't want to get a copyright strike because I sound so much like him. <laughs> Do you remember that music video? Uh, is that the one where he's, like, on a subway? N- no. That's... Basketball, my lover. No, that one has Misha Barton from the OC. Oh. Yeah, I, you want to talk about emotional George, let's talk about that music video because it's just, like, him and her, like, awkwardly, like, in bed, like, kind of saying goodbye to each other but, like, not really, like, wanting to say goodbye to each other and it's got, like... The the, the the like the god lighting i don't know how else to call it but like the cameras weren't calibrated yeah. but you, so you know what i mean but like you have been the one no this is the one where he's like on an iceberg and he's just like oh sl- yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. Sl- slowly undressing and then jumps into uh presumably the fucking freezing arctic ocean after next up we got be without you mary j blige i don't know it next up Danny California, Red Hot Chili Peppers. That's a banger. I feel like that's a classic. That is. It's also weird to me that, like, I guess I thought the Red Hot Chili Peppers were, like, really, really big before that song. Like, between, like, that and, like, Snow. Like, that that entire album is, like, was it Stadium Arcadium? Like, I thought that they were huge before that, but, like, in hindsight, it's like, oh, no, that was actually, like, probably their most successful, like, not their most beloved, but their most successful album. That was, like, their breakout yeah, which is weird, because, like, I think all their songs before that are better. Like, I still love, like, that's a great album. Like, I went and saw them live a couple years after this. You know, like, went up to Montreal with the boys, got some some brewskis and some chili peps. You know what I mean? <laughs> Song number 10, uh, Lean With It, Rock With It by Dem Franchise Boys featuring Lil Peanut and Charlay. Lil Peanut. I included two more songs, because I know you like them. Next up, Miss New Booty is number 11. I have no idea what song that is. You, what? How the fuck? That seems like such an Aaliyah Do song. Do you even know me at it, all? It sounds like I don't. You're like, I found you, Miss New Booty. Break it off, then you break it back to No? Okay. No. Fuck, I don't know you at all. I think we need to break up. No, that sucks. What a way to go. Uh, that was by Bubba Sparks, the Ying Yang Twins, and Mr. Kali Park. And then number 12 was Riding by Chameleon Air and uh, Crazy Bones. No clue. Riding dirty. I'm sure if I oh, heard it, I would probably uh, maybe know it. Okay. But okay. it turns out George doesn't know me at all after ten years. Man, I shot my shot, and I embarrassed the fuck out of myself in the process. Yeah, you're gonna edit this out. Might have to. <laughs> no, I'm not very good at editing, as anyone who listens to this podcast knows. <laughs> so, no, they're gonna leave. I'm gonna leave it in, and people are gonna know that I'm just a fucking bad. Just boy. have like the bike horn for three minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to find more sound effects for this podcast. I think. That'd be... <laughs> <laughs> and then Jessica Jones shows up. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, Wolverine's shirt burns off. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the hottest superhero that you've seen in any of these books? Um. How do do hottest uh, female than male? I want to say Carol Danvers is probably 
hottest on my. You just like the uh, like the elbow length gloves. I just there's something about her. I do love a domino mask. Like that's what like those diamonds around her eyes are called. Like that's like okay. what, that's like what Robin wears, right? Uh, I also like Spider Woman. Yeah, but you like her because she's dangerous, and you don't know if you can trust her. So. No, I'm just saying it's, it's, su- it's super hot. Is there yeah. anything wrong with that? No, it's 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 really hot. I get it. Uh, hottest dude, honestly, probably Tony Stark. Really, Tony Stark in in this art specifically. Okay. I thought was very. Okay. Weird how you like a mustache on him, but when I grow one, you're you're pretty disinterested in a mustache. Yeah, that is weird. I guess it's just Tony Stark and Dennis Eckersley who are allowed to have mustaches. And Dennis Eckersley can do whatever the fuck he wants with his life. Presumably Miles Teller also allowed to have a mustache. Yeah, that's probably like my my least hated mustache. Over Eckersley? Have you seen Dennis Eckersley do that shimmy shirtless on the beach covered in body oil? I have not. Yeah, me neither. Only when I close my eyes. He's just—he's a little young for you, I guess. Is—is uh, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, well, some exceptions can be made. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. You'll see Top Who, Gun Maverick. Yeah. Wait. Who's hotter, actually? Uh, actually, wait. Hold on. Mary fuck kill. Uh. Oh no no no! I don't like this. <laughs> Mary fuck. <laughs> Mary fuck kill. Uh, Glenn Powell from Top Gun Maverick. Miles Teller from Top Gun Maverick. Jennifer Connelly from Top Gun oh. Maverick. That's fucking hard. I know. That's probably the hardest one I've ever given you. And, like, the, the I thought the original hardest one was OC Season 1, One Tree Hill <laughs> Season 1, and Friday Night Lights Season 1. That one was really hard. All right. Uh, I remember, yeah, the first time I asked you that, I just remember you going, fuck you! <laughs> Mary Miles Teller. Okay. Fuck Glenn Powell. You're killing Jennifer the mega babe, Connolly? Yeah, like, she's a babe, but she doesn't really do it for me the way... I mean, she's a small business owner. That's what keeps America together, is small businesses. Yeah, whatever. Also, I, yeah, we talked about this a little bit. Sorry, we're doing a tangent because we both love Top Gun Maverick so much. I can't believe that, like, Jennifer Connelly's character had to be the Admiral's daughter that they, like, referenced twice in conversation in the original Top Gun. Wait, what? Yeah, you remember how they talk about, like, in one incident with an admiral's daughter, and then it was, like, then, like, Meg Ryan, like, that was, like, the guy on the aircraft carrier who then sends him to Top Gun, like, when he was talking about, like, how much of a shithead Maverick was. Yeah. And then when Meg Ryan shows up, she, like, makes a really awkward comment to, uh, Kelly McGillis, to Charlie, being like, oh, you think I haven't heard about you and the and the admiral's daughter? Goose tells me all your stories about all these women. He's, like, she, like, says that in front of, like, his current girlfriend charlie yeah and he's like all right i'm gonna go hang out with goose i guess and like he she talks about the admiral's daughter they, they say her name penny and like her, this is penny this is the admiral's daughter i didn't put that together how have you not brought this up i don't know because i watched top gun a fucking lot yeah i know i watched it like four times this week it's becoming a problem i think that's why our internet went out this morning that is not why our internet went out this morning oh because i watched top gun twice yesterday our internet went out yeah okay I don't make the rules, George. You also don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, we get more internet because I think we're fucking cool watching that movie so much. All right, George. Mary Boff Kill. Oh, God. 
Glenn Powell in Top Gun. <laughs> okay. Miles Teller in Top Gun. Tom Cruise in Top Gun. Oh, thank God. All right, kill Tom Cruise. He makes me really uncomfortable in a lot of that movie. Really? Yeah, he's super cool, but like, like he's, he's not someone I want to be with, so that's an easy decision. You should have done Jennifer Connelly. Well, I would have just been like copying yours. Okay. <laughs> I'm original. Um, probably Mary Rooster because, you know, he, he looks out for you. Yeah, I feel like he's like a good guy in the long run. Yeah. Although I, mean, I feel like Hangman like... Redeemed himself? Yeah. No, he did his fucking job and he did it just like he get like a second aerial kill. Sorry, spoilers. He was going up against a fifth generation aircraft. I have high hopes. I love Glenn Powell. I love Glenn Powell too. He was great and set it up. See, if you'd asked me the other one, it would have been Kill Miles Teller. Really? Fuck Glenn Powell. Marry Jennifer Connelly. But now it's definitely Marry Miles Teller, <laughs> fuck Glenn Powell, kill Tom Cruise. That's interesting. Interesting. You want to yeah. go see that again tomorrow? Yeah, I really do, actually. All right. Let's get to the issue. All right, let's finish this, yeah, this let's, let's podcast get, thing. Let's finish this podcast, and then we'll get to uh, talking about the show times that we can go. All right, strap on your your walking shoes because we're 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 taking a few steps back to previous issues. Yep, we're going into it. Yelena Velova, a villain that crossed paths with the Avengers in their first story. Uh, see episode six of this podcast for more info. Is finally getting her promise fulfilled by AIM, the advanced idea mechanics terrorist group that swears to restore her to her former beauty and make her more powerful in the process by giving her the powers of the Adaptoid. A powerful synthetic being that can basically absorb the powers of whomever it is fighting. At Avengers Tower, everyone is so happy and smitten with Jess and Luke's new baby girl, still unnamed. Um, when Jess finally agrees to Luke's proposal and says she'll marry him. Outside, Cap, Iron Man, and the Sentry are all about to meet with the mayor and calm him down about the Sentry's new watchtower on top of Avengers Tower. When Yelena strikes... She immediately kicks the Sentry's ass all the way up to the 36th floor, which gets the attention of the Avengers upstairs, and now we have a fight on our hands. Yelena is really holding her own against this pretty stacked new Avengers team when Spider-Man, the little genius he is, creates and shares a plan with Stark about how they can beat her. Everyone is working together to stall her, so Stark can bring out his full armory of suits that he's piloting remotely like some sort of VR game. Finally, back to his senses, the Sentry informs her that if she can channel the power of the Sentry... Uh, then she so too must channel the power of the Void, the Sentry's equal and opposite force. For more information on that concept, uh, please check out episode 16 of this show, where we dive into the Sentry's super weird and super meta origin. Lee, I believe that was your first episode. That was my first episode. Woo! Full circle, baby. Completely immobilized by the cost of using the Sentry's power, Yelena is down for the count, but Bob promises to help her through it. Seeing the fight through her eyes... AIM scientists responsible for the superpowered Elena pull the plug and literally explode her head like a goddamn pinata. Iron Man gives Spider-Woman a known Hydra double agent choice words about the responsibility she bears for bringing uh, this problem to his home, and things actually feel awkward. Soon after, we see an officiant who bears a striking resemblance <laughs> to Stan Lee perform a ceremony for Jess and Luke when Jess has a moment not unlike the one Luke did in The Pulse. So they exchange their vows, and then Jess says, these words, they're just words. I'm dedicating my life to you, and I'm saying someone else's words. That's nuts. I want you to know I truly believe that together we are so much better than we are apart, and not in that creepy way. Really, I'm inspired by you. 
I don't get lost in my head like I used to. The world is a scary place. You being an Avenger, it's so scary. Every day there's some idiot in our face trying to ruin it. And ever since we got together, I just haven't cared. And no goon <laughs> attacked us at our wedding. So I'm going to take that as a good sign. And even if the worst happens, it's a weird feeling, but I know for a fact we can deal with it. Look at that kid over there. Look at her. We made her. And I love watching you be a father. So much so that I'd wear this big poofed out dress. I just wanted you to know in my words. This is why I said yes to all this crazy. That's why. That was really sweet. That was really sweet. I do like the symmetry that you pointed out. Yeah. Because like Luke went all... Here's why I want to marry her. Wax poetic about yeah. why he wanted to marry her. And then... She got to wax poetic about why she finally said yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do want to point out... The beginning of the issue... Weird, I don't know who it was talking to Yelena. Random scientist people. Made such a big deal about giving her her pretty face back. Yeah. And then she turned into, like, kind of ugly monster. Kind of a monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, like, false advertising. Like, I feel like there's, there's, I mean, other than the fact that she's, like, dead now, uh, there, there could be, like, a lawsuit... You know what's really confusing, too, is, like, that character is a uh, Florence Pugh's character. I know. Pugh okay. Pugh. Yeah. Oops. I was going to say Pugh Pugh Pugh. Uh, I just didn't know if you would get it. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. Uh, I love me some flow. Yeah. Uh, so there we have it. That was New Avengers Annual number one. We saw Luke Jones. Wow. Luke Jones. <laughs> Luke, Luke Jones. You don't know. Luke Jones and Jessica Cage have their baby. And eat it too. Sorry, no, that's not the expression. Have their baby <laughs> and then get married. Uh, what'd you think? You don't have very much comic experience with Jessica Jones. Did this feel like the character from the show? Or like, did it, did it feel because like she didn't really get a chance to like super grow in that show because the whole point was kind of about how she stopped growing. But like, did it feel like this is a version of of what that character could be? Yes and no. Okay. I feel like I didn't really get a lot of like deepness from the character mm -hmm. which i feel like is is hard to do in a comic book medium sure. of like like they kind of used sue and carol danvers to like tell the story about how she was so anxious about giving birth like none of that actually came from jessica mm -hmm. it was just everyone else telling us how jessica was feeling Okay, yeah. And so, like, that part was weird to me where we didn't get her being like, yo, I'm freaking the fuck out here. Like, can you help me? Yeah, she didn't have, like, a meltdown herself. She had, she just told people, like, I think I'm going to have a meltdown. And then as everyone sort of talking over her, explaining why she shouldn't have a meltdown. Yeah. Okay. And, like, no one really just, like, except for, like, her actually giving birth, I feel like no one let her just, like, feel her feelings. Okay. Which was, like, a little frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. I think that's a completely fair reading. Yeah. Also, like, we missed all the wedding planning. Like, <laughs> where were all the fights about the wedding? Like, yeah, what yeah. kind of cake they were having? Flowers. What we, what we choose for flowers? Yeah, like, we just, like, glossed over all that. Like, I don't want anyone to get, like, the wrong idea. It's also really weird, because it's, like, they kind of live at Avengers Tower... 
but they also kind of work out of Avengers Tower. Can you think of a place you'd want to get married less than your fucking office? No, except my firm has moved offices since COVID, and I have not been there, so... So no, I'm not agreeing to get married in a venue I've never even seen. Yeah. I mean, it's a floor above my old office, so it's whatever, but... So I can assume what it looks like, but I, but I don't know what it looks like. I don't like. know for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, that's weird. This is... I feel like it's kind of the thing, like, on, like, all the weddings at, on Grey's Anatomy, like, they throw together in, like... A night, mm-hmm. and it's like at Meredith's house, and it's like just work people there, and it's like very unrealistic, very lame. Like, do you like? I know you have a fucking friend from high school. Like, <laughs> I know you have at least one friend from high school you still talk to. Like, you have that weird aunt that like won't let you live it down if they're not there. Also, what about your friends from like pre med, like in college? Like, why are all your friends doctors? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just weird that it's just like, oh, all of a sudden, here's the wedding, which I get, like, they skipped through time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I would have enjoyed some of the monotony of the wedding planning. I hear you. That's a great call. That, also, it would have been fun. I really want to cover The Pulse because, A, Brian Michael Bendis wrote it, and Brian Michael Bendis, as we talked about, hugely influential, hugely important to this era of Marvel in particular. He's, like, kind of chief architect of, like, most of the major events, he started this podcast, basically, with Avengers Disassembled, and New Avengers becomes sort of like the linchpin to the Marvel Universe in, in comics. That's where events like Secret Invasion stem out of, and House of M, and eventually Civil War. Like, all this stuff sort of, like, comes home to roost in New Avengers, including Siege, like, which is sort of the end of this era of Marvel, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Um, but books like this don't really exist today, and it kind of bums me out. Like, I, it just feels like... I don't know, was there ever anything in your life where, like, there just wasn't that much sort of supervision and it was, like, super fun because, like, it wasn't sort of, like, being watched as closely? Like, I guess, I'm trying to think, like, comics are, like, the best example I can think of. But, like, this is before Disney bought Marvel, you know? So, like, the books just had to be good books. Like, they weren't, like, really trying to maintain a property as much as they were trying to put out cool shit that people talked about. Whereas today it feels like IP farming, trying to figure out like, okay, we got to make a comic book that works, that could also work as a TV show, that could also work as a movie. Like it, it feels like it has yeah. to like hit, like check so many boxes. But this book, The Pulse, such like a weird little concept, right? Like it was basically like a, a newspaper story. That was like the main through line. And then it eventually like turned into the Jessica Jones story, but like she was working at the Daily Bugle. Like that's why she was here. And at the same time, we talked about this before, but, like, Gotham Central was a book that was happening over at DC, and that was, like, literally about the police department, and, like, they, it was just, like, humans dealing with supervillains when Batman wasn't there. Like, that was, like, the entire point, and, like, that book, I think, lasted 40 issues, this book lasted 14, and it just feels like this book wouldn't be possible today, and that really fucking bums me out, because, like, there's a lot of good comics coming out today, I don't want to be, like, one of those... Doomsdayers. Yeah, like, there's so many fucking good books, it's unreal, but, like, I just don't feel like there's that many good, weird books you know just like little like niche titles that like we're gonna talk about the big stories 20 years from now but like we talked about this in the context of like like b-list movies where like i don't know it's like people are just trying to make blockbusters now yeah and like the like 90 minute rom-coms like she's all that or yeah movies like aren't allowed to be average anymore yeah like, I, we've had this conversation in the past. So that, like, I completely blanked on that. You're absolutely right. That I, That's, like, exactly what I'm trying to say about this. 
And it, it just bums me out, right? Because it's just like, what are the cult books we're going to talk about 20 years from now if, they're, if you're not making cult books now, you know? like It's like when everyone's trying to swing for the fences instead of playing that little baseball. It's Everyone forgets about little baseball. Nobody's going to get this reference, but I fucking hate Alex Rodriguez. Uh, Lee and I were watching like a Sunday night baseball game on ESPN. And, like three years ago. And A-Rod was doing the coverage. And someone was just like, like someone hit like a single and he was just like, yeah, you know, everyone goes for home runs, but it's that little baseball. And it's just like, bro, do you mean small ball? Like, is that what you're trying to say? Anyone who knows baseball knows it's referred to as small ball and not fucking little baseball. Yeah, weren't you the highest played player for like seven years? I hate Alex Rodriguez. Didn't you win a World Series? Didn't everyone hate you because you weren't Derek Jeter? Yeah, no, I get it. I'm so glad J-Lo broke up with him. That seems mean. But now he's a co-owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves, so... I don't care. He came out on top. Hey, they just got Rudy Gobert. She got Ben Affleck. They got Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, Anthony Edwards. Rudy Gobert, who started COVID. Yeah, patient zero, yeah. Yeah, get him out of here. Um, Sorry, that died... No, I'm really happy, because like anyone who listens to this might listen to uh, Frameskip. And I try so hard to bring sports up. And so it's nice that it's like, oh, it's not just that podcast. Like, this is, you and I just talk about sports, like, a, like a fucking lot. We could have a sports podcast. That would be so fun. Oh, we totally could. Yeah. You want to do a Red Sox podcast? I just, uh, the Red Sox hurt me. We could do, like, a weekly check-in where we talk about it. Can we just do, like, a Boston sports podcast? Yeah, we could. You want to be the, uh, like, Bruins Sox correspondent? I'll do Patriots Celtics. Perfect. Cool. Celtics cannot trade Jalen Brown. Celtics did not trade Jalen Brown. They traded Daniel Tice, Aaron Neesmith, three other players whose names I can't remember, and I think a couple picks, but they got Mark Brogdon from the... Uh... I have no idea who that is. He's but... a really good point guard. I'm super fucking happy. Don't we have a point guard? Marcus Smart was our point guard. Not really a point guard. He can do it, but like I kind of like that Like now he can be like a second unit point guard, or he could just like, you know, like let Marcus cook. I love Marcus Smart. I do too. In this house, we stand Marcus Smart. Yeah, we really do. That's all I got for New Avengers, and that's all I got for The Pulse. Do you have any closing thoughts on the books you were uh, kind enough to read for today's episode? Uh, Not my favorite, but I don't have a whole lot to, like... Compare it to? Yeah. This was definitely, like, this is the indie movie of comics, right? And so, like, before, I think you pretty much only read New Avengers, which, yeah. for all intents and purposes, is, like, the blockbuster of comics. But still, like... Call me basic. Well, no, but it was, like, done differently compared to every other comic at the time. So, like, it was a blockbuster, but it's also, like, a trendsetter. You know, like, it was it was doing things that no other comic book had, had at least done, like, in that way to that sort of way of expression. And so this book is very, very much, like, the indie darling passion project. It's like that Nicolas Cage movie about orchids. Adaptation? Yeah, that movie was awful. Bro, that movie's, like, 20 years old. You gotta fucking let it go. I can't because that's how bad it was that I saw it like 20 years ago and I still can't forget about how bad it was. All right, first off, that movie's really good, but if anything, it's more like the unbearable weight of massive talent. Like, this is this is like the comeback for... Whatever. For these characters, yeah. Whatever, the movie okay. sucks. All right, well, that's a weird note to leave this podcast on, but um, New Avengers Annual, pretty good. The Pulse... Uh, Aaliyah found a little lacking. I think, okay. Adaptation sucks, apparently. 
the story was good. I didn't love the art. I think muted is the the right word okay. that I'm looking for to describe. A little bit more cartoonish and bubbly, you would have liked it? Yeah, or like colorful, mm-hmm. um, dramatic. I guess this was dramatic in a way. But just not in a way you cared about. Yeah. Okay. Um, I like kind of want to know what happens with D-Man. I honestly can't think of a single story that's had him since this book came out. No. Well, I hope he's okay. Poor D-Man. I hope he's doing fine. Yeah, the one thing that was weird about the new Avengers annual is, uh, like, the pencils were all done by one artist, but there was, like, four or five different colorists on that book. That's why some of the pages, like, look so different. Okay. I felt like it was kind of inconsistent. A little jarring, yeah. <sighs> but that's all we got. I, uh... Sorry I'm such a downer. I... Oh, no. Yeah, dude, you're good. This is, you're allowed to feel how you, how you feel. Like, that's, that's why we got you on the podcast, so you can share, share, share the truth. <laughs> I am Paul Pierce. You are the truth. We really should do a sports podcast. Or at least we like, would be fun. Or at least like a spinoff, yeah. Um, that concludes this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, you're the fucking best. I really like you, as, you. A, as a person. Um, please share this podcast. Please share the website Shortbox Summary. Please rate us on iTunes or Spotify or your podcaster of choice. That would really help out. Uh, write a review if you have the time. Would really appreciate that as well. Next week, I literally have no idea what we're going to cover. I really want to do Young Avengers with Austin and Elijah. I really want to do Spider-Man with Seth. we got lots to catch up on. I really want to get to House of M by the end of the month just because that book did come out during the summer and I would like to make that like a big like summer spectacle episode. Is that me? I don't know if that's going to be you, actually. I know Fabio really wants to do it. I think Austin's talked about it, and I think Marty's talked about wanting to do it, too. But, like, with, with everyone traveling, I have no idea what the schedule is, so. How dare people have fucking lives? Ugh, it's, the, it's the worst. It's selfish. It's what it is. Yeah, we traveled once, almost got COVID, and uh, not going anywhere ever again. Yeah, I don't know if that really counts as travel. Like, we drove, like, six hours. Like, I mean, I understand <laughs> I understand it's, like, traveling. But that it's... was, like, the only traveling that we've done. Yeah, but it's also, like, I mean... It wasn't like, I wouldn't call that like an ordeal. Like that was like how I drove to college, you know? So like, I was just like, oh, cool. On the road again. Yeah, that's fair. Also, there's a fucking sick comic book store in Waterville, Maine that I think is just called Comic Books. That was like literally what the... the that's what the sign said. We have the card somewhere. Man, that place was awesome. It's my birthday next week. I might just go back. I'll get you a sandwich from Big G's. Okay. You're, you're gonna love it. It's the size of your face. I have a pretty small face. Size of my face? Okay. Alright. Uh, thanks for listening. Love you, bye. Love you, bye. Sound test. Sound test. How do you talk normally? I talk like this. I need to be louder, I think. I think you do, too. Also, it doesn't help. Do you want your chair (laughs) so you can get a little closer to the mic, maybe? I'll just stay right here. might hurt your back to sit like that. My back hurts always. Oh, okay.